Welcome to the weekly podcast at Second Ponce de Leon Baptist Church. My name is Doc Hollingsworth. I'm senior pastor of this great congregation, and we're delighted that you've joined us. Our prayer for you is that as you listen to this message, you might feel closer to God and closer to God's hope for you. I work hard on sermon introductions because a good sermon introduction should, should kind of grab your attention in a way that, that you, you lean in just a little bit expecting something to happen. It, it should command attention and whet the appetite. So I thought, what could be more exciting? What could ex- set expectations better than defining some biblical terms to get started. Let's talk about disciples and apostles, because it can get confusing. Disciples are Jesus followers, all Jesus followers. Andrew, Matthew, they're disciples. So is Mary Magdalene, St. Francis, Mr. Rogers, Rick Rogers, all disciples. Apostles are the twelve, the twelve chosen by Jesus to accompany his earthly ministry. Come follow me. All of the apostles knew the earthly Jesus. So, after the first century, there are no more apostles. There are two notable footnotes here. Paul declares himself an apostle because of the encounter with Jesus on the Damascus Road. If you're concerned by that technicality, I'll let you argue that with Paul, but we call Paul an apostle. The other footnote to the twelve is today's story. Today's story lists the thirteenth apostle to round out the list of twelve. I I, I know We'll get to that in a minute. So, you can make the case for 12, 13, or 14 apostles, no more. Uh, there's no plan of succession. They're all, this is unique and unrepeatable. All apostles are disciples. Not all disciples are apostles. So, now that we kind of got that cleared up, we can get on with today's story. We're in chapter 1. We're we're in the first, well, in the first 14 verses, we have the resurrected Jesus out teaching. 40 days, Jesus is teaching about the kingdom of God. Then Jesus ascends to be at the right hand of the Father, which leaves the apostles looking at one another, asking what they're going to do to organize the mission they've been called to. We're in chapter 1. You'll remember from last week, chapter 1, we're still in Jerusalem. You remember it's Jerusalem, Samaria, ends of the earth. Chapter 1, it's still a small little group, 120 or so. We might could squeeze that group into our chapel. And Peter stands to address the 120 believers. Peter is apparently the class president. 
He's just always the first to command attention. He's always the first to state his opinion. And Peter outlines the first order of business before this group. And the first order of business is to fill the empty staff position. Because Judas, one of the twelve, is no longer at the table. In the final days of Jesus' earthly life, Judas betrayed Jesus for a pile of money, ran away from the community, bought a farm, and apparently the guilt and the betrayal was just too heavy. The property and blood money too unsettling, and Judas took his own life. So, why not go at the mission with 11, right? 11 instead of 12. Jesus chose the 12. Should we really tinker with the list list that Jesus came up with? He picked out these. One's gone. Let's go with 11. Well, numbers, as you know, in the Jewish tradition have great significance. 12 tribes of Israel. 12 apostles from among the 120 followers, a number that is a multiple of 12. In short, 11 just isn't a consideration. This is a Jewish movement, remember. Now, Peter is not so bold as to just pick out of the 120 who he wants to fill in uh, the, the the empty slot. This is a big decision. But Peter does outline the qualifications of who this must be, and it must be someone who has been with Jesus all along. We'll choose someone from among the 120 who's been with Jesus since he came up out of the waters from baptism and was also there to witness the resurrection. That's the qualification. There are two nominations from the floor. The first goes by the Gentile nickname, Justice. And and the second nominee, Matthias. Well, then then the group prayed. They, They prayed for discernment and guidance. I'm quoting, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen to take the place in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. And all of this sounds right and good and in good order to all of us. They prayed for discernment as to who the next apostle would be. But then the story takes a strange turn. Strange to our modern ways of discernment, they cast lots, which is basically a game of chance. We we do a form of this on Thursdays when I play golf. This is how it works. Uh, Our leader, uh, ironically, he's a Jewish leader in Atlanta. When we get up to to the first tee box, and, and just for symmetry in the story, let's say there are 12 of us playing golf on this particular day, we all give Bob our golf ball, and our golf ball is marked with our own little mark to know which one's which. I play a Titleist with a black line, and Richard plays a 
uh, tailor made with a red dot. But Bob takes the balls and throws them up in the air. And when they fall, he just goes over and says, these four are close together. That'll be one foursome. These four are close together. That'll be another foursome. The other four, wherever they are, that'll be the other. That's how it gets decided. And that seems like a reasonable way to pick a golf foursome. But an apostle? Casting lots is a similar practice to tossing golf balls. And it's cited throughout the Bible as a means of discernment when trying to figure out the will of God. They would mark rocks. And, and they'd put rocks in a basket or, or, or a bag. And they'd just jostle it around till one of the rocks fell out. Okay, guys, the smaller one with the white streaks, that one's Justice. The bigger one, the, the dark gray one, that one will be Matthias. Whichever one pops out. That's how they decide. Can you imagine if the church search committee, the pastor search committee pulled, pulled that off? Right? They, 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 they come to the church and conference and say, we narrowed the list down to three qualified candidates. And we brought them all in. And then, it turned out, we present you today with our candidate. We wouldn't do that. But the lot fell on Matthias. It tumbled out of the bag. Matthias was the one added to the group of 11. And he fills out the list of apostles. Matthias. If I had to ask you to list the 12 apostles, would you have included Matthias? I don't, aren't you glad I didn't ask you how many of the 12 apostles you could name anyway? I mean, we'd have all got Peter, Andrew, James, and John. Those roll off the tongue. But then, then we start slogging a little bit, don't we? I mean, even people who are regular in Sunday school are going to have a hard time kind of pull it out, out all 12. Bartholomew might take a little while. Barbara Haig's the only one who would have gotten James, son of Alphaeus, right? My point is that the mission, the mission of spreading the news of love and salvation found in Jesus was the most important thing to the early church. Not, not the headliners. Most of the most important people in salvation history are names you and I have never heard of. They are ordinary heroes of faith. The work of the church is carried mostly by saints whose names we do not know. This might come as a surprise to you, but justice is never mentioned again in the New Testament. Uh, here he is. He's runner-up to be one of the 12 apostles, to stand for all of history as part of the historic and unrepeatable 12, and we never hear from him again. Now, well, maybe that's not a surprise that uh, there is no justice to be found. 
because he was a footnote and also ran. But what might come as a surprise is that Matthias is never mentioned again either. Matthias was one of the original apostolic leaders of the Christian church, and his name has faded. An ordinary hero. I mean, we contrast that with Peter, right? I mean, Peter keeps grabbing the mic. Peter speaks, speaks quickly and often. Peter's always the first with his hand in the air. Peter gets a lot of press in the New Testament. Peter is on the screen a lot. But the story of salvation history is mostly carried forward by people committed to quiet service, authentic witness, silent giving. The witness of the church has been advanced primarily by ordinary heroes whose names fade but whose influence endures. My friend Sean came to faith at a Billy Graham evangelistic crusade, but most of us did not. What's your faith story? Who was it for you? Who influenced your life for the sake of the gospel? Which one of the disciples of Jesus led you to life abundant. Remember, there are only 12 apostles, but millions of disciples. And one of them led you to faith. I don't know what image you have right now. It might might be the image of a, not even a name, but some woman you vaguely remember who sat in your Sunday school class as a child in a little wooden chair with her knees up to her ears And while you were coloring Moses' sandal, she was telling you about Jesus. It might be a high school coach who just had this full, abundant spirit that led you to ask questions about what was animating him that made him different. And it ended up in your conversion to Christ. It, it, it might have been a college friend who told you that when life storms are weathering, she's able to make it because of her faith in Jesus. And something about that story led you to ask more questions. And she opened up the scriptures and she opened up her life and gave witness to the love of God in Christ. I don't, I don't know. I don't know who has meant the most in your Christian pilgrimage. But I do know that if you called out the name, most of us wouldn't recognize it. Because the witness of the church has advanced primarily by ordinary heroes whose names fade and whose influence endures. So, graduates, if you're still with us after we showed your picture, if you're still there, here's my challenge to you. You're about to hear a graduation speech, if you haven't already, from 
somebody who does have name recognition and who is going to inspire you to go loudly into the world and put your stamp on it. My challenge is for you to go faithfully into the world, modeling and praying and serving and giving and influencing and witnessing to the outrageous love of God in Christ. You don't have to make a name for yourself to be a disciple. Ordinary disciples whose names we do not know have been the primary carriers of grace. My first full-time ministry position uh, out of seminary I was called to be the associate pastor of the Alabama Road Baptist Church in Roswell. It, it was a church plant at the time, and, and, and it was growing. It, it had just occupied its shiny building and making plans to build the next one. Young couples, achievers, Atlanta's platinum triangle and all that. But our deacon ministry at that church was structured differently from the deacon ministry here. At, at Alabama Road, uh, each deacon had a list of families that he or she was to care for. The deacon family ministry plan was what the Baptists in Nashville uh, were promoting for churches at that time, and Alabama Road adopted that model so that, that each deacon would have about 10 families each, and they'd call and send letters and check in and all of that. One of the young couples in our church, three small children, had a crisis that shook us all. Uh, Steve developed a brain tumor. At age 38, Kathy was now a widow. Three young children under the age of eight. As you might imagine, it devastated our close-knit, small congregation. So there were casseroles and funeral home visits. And day of the funeral, our small sanctuary was absolutely packed. And as associate pastor, I had a part in the service. So I was sitting up on one of the pulpit chairs looking out at the service and looked around and noticed that Linda was nowhere to be found. Uh, Linda was Kathy's deacon. And Kat, uh, Linda didn't work outside the home. I'd, I'd seen her at visitation the night before. I knew she was in town. Apparently, she skipped the funeral. And so I, I kind of tumbled her absence in the self-righteous part of my brain, and then I let it go after a while. Well, it turns out that Linda wasn't at the funeral because she didn't need to be seen. Instead, she was at Kathy's house keeping the three young children. While Kathy sat in a black dress on the front row. The names of ordinary disciples fade. Their influence never does. And God does extraordinary things through ordinary disciples. Like build a church. 
that endures. Thanks for joining us. If you live in the Atlanta area or visiting Atlanta, come and worship with us in person on Sundays at Second Ponce de Leon Baptist Church.